Welcome to Escape Routes with Condé Nast Traveller. My name is Melinda Stevens, the Editor-in-Chief of Condé Nast Traveller US and Condé Nast Traveller UK, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to our podcast series. Travel is all about storytelling, a story of a place, of its people, of a journey, and at Condé Nast Traveller we've always celebrated the most transportative, evocative travel writing. With much of the world currently grounded, we've come together to take you to some of our favourite places, if only in your imagination, by listening to our most loved travel stories read aloud by the writers who penned them. We hope these short escape routes allow you to daydream of far-flung adventures, discover the world's curious corners or recast familiar destinations in a fresh light, and that you love these travel stories as much as I do. Hello, my name is Antonia Quirk and welcome to Condé Nast Traveller's Escape Routes. I'll be reading my piece on the Gilly Islands, which featured in the December 2019 issue of Condé Nast Traveller. I hope you enjoy it. The boat sails from Bali in the early morning towards the Gilly Islands, 60 blue miles to the east. Padang Bai Port is like this, a crush of thin puppies and fortune tellers balancing on uncertain boxes. Dozing Swedish surfers with hair sunned to candy floss rouse each other to buy mango for the journey. Smells of synthetic plum juice and drying fish. Up close, men with faces swathed in bandanas against the day's coming heat hurl rucksacks and heavy poles of bamboo into piles as the vessel slops against its pontoon. The sky is black as a flash storm approaches, ragged forks of lightning plunging down the horizon, the decks sodden, rain in our mouths. Ask anybody about the weather on the gillies and they shrug. It can be pelting down on Lombok, while the sun roasts high over the islands. Approached from the sea, the three gillies emerge like a dream of coconut palm-feathered desertness, bean green freaked with white and gold. Some people visit just one island, others jump between the three. The distance between them seems seductively swimmable, but the current is deep and strong, and boats labour back and forth. And although there are similarities, each is Muslim, each bans mechanical vehicles bar horse-drawn carts and pushbikes, each island is distinct. Gilly Air is the furthest east, a place of semi-reclusiveness with a beatnik jus d'esprit. For every long and solitary stretch of sand, there's a fist of beach bars somewhere near or a lone stall selling vanilla wafers and trays of cold cucumbers the size of your finger. Cafes in the port serve the strongest brew to post-party kids and hippie grandmothers quietly croaking along to Woody Guthrie. 
The streets all around wave with in-leaning grasses and pretty walled villas, jasmine and frangipani as creamy as the butterflies that hang off them around pools kept at bath temperature by the sun. A meadow full of cows grazes on technicolor dandelions as sheeny and orange as 60s Bakelite. The plants on the gillies live so intensely. They jut up and blossom in the middle of the night. Cashew nut and banana, violent pink bougainvillea. Tiny red birds sleep hugger-mugger in a milkwood tree. I spend hours in the day spas along the beach where everybody sits dazedly, having their arms and necks massaged, hair slathered in coconut oil, not breathing a word, the only noise, the clunk of exhausted fans. It's staggeringly hot, but the doors are shut only to keep the flies out, not for any Europeanish desire for privacy. The streets on the gillies, as in most of Indonesia, are an extension of the house and people live quite publicly. In one home, I'm given a snake fruit. It's the size of a fig, the skin has red-brown scales and the flesh looks like garlic but tastes of sour, crunching citrus. Time does, what time does for a while. Nella charisma songs squeak from a kitchen somewhere. And then the call to prayer, fierce and sudden, rouses everyone with a jolt. Whole days can pass like this, moving from spa to cafe to sea to bar. But air is also perfect to cycle around and around, the light and mood changing through the day, the coral stone coastal path petering out now and again and the sand in between volcanic and thick and near black. From certain angles, air almost looks like 1890s Surrey, E.M. Forsterish. One steaming morning, I come across a string of old cottages built back from the sand, with sagging wrought iron beds and porches twined in honeysuckle. Wood pigeons the size of young geese, and butterflies everywhere, striped brown like a convent school uniform. Only in front, the scene is ferociously unlikely. Glistering sea, shallow for quite a distance, full of angelfish and tiny blue fry. A family of goats lounge in the cleft of a dead branch like somnolent tree spirits and then get up and totter down to the water just for the cool of it. A gorgeous Argentinian backpacker toils up the sand, carrying what might be her life's possessions in one rucksack and with what turns out to be a new baby tucked in a pouch at her breast. She strokes its sleeping cheeks. Later, at the bars along the sand, people chalk up their dive sightings of the day. Hairy frogfish, a bobtail squid, devil rays, bumpheads. Someone is projecting the Shawshank Redemption on a little screen, specifically for the moment the prisoner hero finds himself, after many tribulations, on a beach as perfect as this. A generator makes the occasional defunct sputter, and the local football team heads to the pitch for practice. Sunset takes ages, slipping down like a heavy barrier of burgundy. Lamps and bonfires are lit along the sand, marking different bars, different encampments. A bright moon and the sudden groan of rusty bike brakes. 
A hawker emerges with a, a tray of misshapen and brown pearls, sold cheap by the loveliest objects. Some even look like carob pods, catching the lamplight in a gleam. Gone midnight, I cycle and cycle and pass a group of island kids playing guitars and singing around a gambling table, so pure and sincere the song sounds like a kind of incantation dwelling over the harmonies as I record them. Gili Maino is the quietest island, the least visited but most gorgeous. People come here to read and to sleep. It's less than a mile across and has one small village, and all life happens along the near-empty beaches. Jukung boats called Pearl and Scallywag, clumsily painted in bright jags of pink and yellow, slosh in the clear shallows. I watch a line of schoolchildren chant along the shore path, reciting the alphabet and holding yellow plastic cobras. There's the occasional jingling of harnesses on distant carriages drawn by weary geldings and steered by young men with gold hooped earrings and faded headbands. They bounce through island pits and potholes, the carriages overstuffed with heavy suitcases and pink honeymooners, boxes of flippers, and crackers and limes. The official history is that the Gillies weren't much inhabited until the 1970s. Bugis fishermen from Sulawesi arrived then, and Sasaks from Lombok. But I've heard people tell stories from before that about relatives living on cockles and papaya. Later I pass a shack half hidden in the stubborn jungle trees beyond the sand made of palms and with overhanging rattan eaves like a collapsing birdhouse. A sandaled foot sticks out in a mid-afternoon swoon. The whole place looks ancient but might only have been built last month. Nothing lasts long in this climate of heat and monsoon rain, this baking whiteness. One spring weekend, there's a two-day wedding in progress, and I stand back from the hooting and parading with 30-something Sarah Pudin. He drives boats between the islands for a living and generally charges about making deals, waving wads of cash and clipping his assistant on the ear, bartering and goading in a round array of transactions and going home with unexpected booty under his arm. Today, a box of Frangipani hair clips and three cartons of Marlboro Reds. We drink some kind of fizzy plum juice while the whole island pearls its way to the village inland for the continuing celebrations. The bridesmaids in robes of green layered lace, small boys dragging parrot and superman balloons, paths scattered with paper plates of rice and peanut sauce. Sarah Pudin puffs out his cheeks. 
He prefers Maino when it's quiet. And he recalls with horror the time when cruise ships began to stop at the Gillies. 10,000 people got off one day, he groans. And then with a pause, amends the figure to 900. Maybe 100, he shrugs. Maybe more. Whatever the figure, it was too much. And they stopped coming anyway. Instead, men play chess. A jala bird sulks and honks in a cage. Sarapudin tucks a pack of playing cards into his top pocket. The sky is a cloudless, hard blue. It's a scene that appears timeless. Many things on Maino are reminders of how ephemeral civilization can be. Everything feels just a little temporary, a little ramshackle. Nets and hurricane lamps and nautical bric-a-brac. Lights ingeniously made from coat wire and bulbs strung up inside hacked-off cordial bottles. Things salvaged and occasionally put next to something fantastically expensive and ordered from a long way off, left standing in the drumming sun. One time I see an antique Louis XV silk upholstered chair being haphazardly unloaded from a catch and plonked next to boxes of starfruit, unclaimed and incongruous as a bowler hat. At a bar on the northwestern shore, the sandy walkways between hammocks and cabanas are strung with pieces of broken coral that look like octopus tentacles, and a lovely spit of land is piled so high with coral. It's as if dinosaur bones have been heaped against the flaming evening horizon. A ginger cat twists and curls, toasting itself in the last of the sun just like the baby turtles in a stone butcher's sink on a further-flung western point, backflipping luxuriantly under a weather-beaten portrait of Bob Marley pinned to a tree. He stares Ozymandias-like across the sweltering blue. You develop a certain way of walking in Indonesia, like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, weaving almost dancing, dodging traffic, second-guessing and always interacting, existing entirely in the present tense and getting into a particular rhythm with the sinews of your body. Gili Troangan, the busiest island, insists you do this and venture here only if you like a party. Most come simply to do that and then perhaps escape to Maino or Air to recover afterwards. In the evenings, everyone gathers on the beaches here. An Australian and Norwegian teenage swarm of pink-fringed wraps and rings of scrimshaw and knotted hair. All the emblems of an eternal summer of love, dosed on local magic mushroom tea, randomly drumming to DJ Mangu while hawkers sell portable speakers made out of cans of bintang beer through the neon zany dusk. As the sky turns first apricot and then vermilion in a great throbbing pall over on Lombok, its distant volcano looks more than ever like an act of God. At the island's night food market, blue and pink mottled lobsters wallow in trays of melting ice and traders labour under flickering naked bulbs, frantically fanning rows of char-grilling whole squid with their melancholy human eyes. 
Scallops are dunked into hot grease, while tabby kittens make off with the lobbed heads of snapper. Snogging couples fall with splintering thuds off kegs of peanut oil, a confusion of suntan and sunburn and denim that's really just high-waisted underwear and shirts sequined in scarlet and green. There are beach bum hostels and men with peaky blinders, haircuts, having pedicures and guzzling immense rum and jackfruit cocktails through bamboo straws. The sea is so contrastingly tranquil, it reflects passing fluffy white clouds and the clean and tepid surf has such a dreamlike, enervating effect that you have to physically rouse yourself to get out of it, coming up coughing and gasping to sit out the noon glare on the soft sand in the few parts of the island free from the continual hammering up of hotels and laying out of new marinas. And when the boats eventually leave the island in the morning, back to Bali and on to other lands, other cities, the walkways on wheels heave and swing. Visitors and night-trippers, hippies and drifters, dopers and chicks and all those energetically giggling teenagers, up pontoons, waves thudding, bags dropped, friends lost and rapturously found. A staggering exodus that melts away suddenly, leaving nothing but a fizz on the water and a fisherman cleaning shrimp, wearing a transistor radio around his neck, playing... I am the black gold of the sun. This podcast has been brought to you by the Turquoise Holiday Company, leading tour operator and winner of our Reader's Choice Award 2020. Turquoise is passionate about creating the most imaginative itineraries around. Its travel specialists know destinations inside out, so whether it's a sensational honeymoon or a please-everyone, multi-generational family get-together, Turquoise will craft your own unforgettable travel story. For more details, visit www.turquoiseholidays.co.uk or call them on 01494 678 400. We hope you enjoyed our Escape Routes podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to help boost us in the charts and ensure you are the first to hear about new episodes.